0: Welcome, Calvary. How are you? I usually say good morning, Calvary. It really threw you up. Good morning, Calvary. Calvary. Wow. Okay, it's a packed house. I mean, it was like it was like, I don't know what he didn't say. You know what he normally says? Okay. It is the uh, week after Easter, and I got good news for you. The tomb is still empty. He is still alive, and so we're asking the series. The next two weeks, we're going to be talking about what's next because the tomb is still empty. And for some of us, maybe you took the challenge to be back here for six weeks, and this feels like an adventure for you. And I can relate, because I I recently went on an adventure. I went with three other guys, and we went hiking slash backpacking. We went kind of south, just north of Louisville on the Ohio River there, and we went like 21 miles in like two days, and it was quite an adventure, needless to say. But here's what you need to know about me and hiking and backpacking. That is not my expertise. Carrying 35 pounds, sleeping outdoors, but I liked it because I wasn't in charge and I was just able to go. So I'm following these guys and we're walking down this path, and all of a sudden we get to this this bridge, like it's like over the Ohio River, and and we're on an adventurous trail. So it's it's pretty daunting. It's like up, down, up, down. Some of you are like it's not that daunting. Okay, whatever, but. So, I'm just going where they say to go, and we get to this bridge, and it's not really a bridge. It's actually kind of a destroyed bridge where there's like these metal beams and stuff that are like 12 inches wide. And one of them jokingly says, Well, who's first? And in my mind, I thought they were telling me to cross the bridge. So, I start heading out across this bridge. And I get about halfway over, and I suddenly realize I'm like 20 feet above the Ohio River. 15 feet above the Howell River standing on a, a beam that's like this wide and I've still got a ways to go and I'm thinking well everybody else does it it's called an adventure trail I'm just doing it and about that time one of them shells at me shells, Daniel what are you doing we're not really supposed to go that way <laughs> thanks guys <clears throat> and a weird thing happened the psychology of this is what everybody does to all of a sudden you're not supposed to go that way got into my spirit as I slowly turned around and suddenly realized I'm over the Ohio River. It's like 39 degrees and it's like a 15-foot drop and I had 35 pounds tied to my back. I'm not that good a swimmer anyways, y'all. And so I I do get back, but it's a little bit daunting, right? And so the trip out there didn't because that's what everybody was doing, but the trip back seemed overwhelming. And maybe that's where you are today. You found yourself out on a, 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 an uncovered, unprotected bridge. You, you found yourself going what you thought everybody else was going, and you suddenly realized, this is actually not the direction I'm supposed to go. And you're trying to journey back into your relationship with God, but it's a struggle. And so I want to I encourage you, what's next doesn't have to be a struggle. Let's talk about with a little bit of review of what we talked about last week last week we talked to you about what it looks like to receive jesus and we we shared with you this marker if you will this sinner's prayer which is not really what saves you but it's the attitude and the heart behind it this is like we called it an ebenezer but it's a marker saying this is a moment where i'm giving my life to jesus think wedding ceremony when a husband and wife say this is our vow these are our vows you have to live it out you can't just say the vows and not go home and live together right This is what the sinner's prayer says. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. I ask you to come into my life, and I trust you to be my Lord and Savior. Amen. And we challenge you and and ask you to wrestle with that. Have you really given your whole life to Jesus? I want to approach it from another angle today and make, really make sure we understand this by going old school and, and sharing with you something called one-verse evangelism. This was found in the tracks, which are little pieces of, of paper that hang, hung out, hang, handed out in like the 1980s. And these contain a good visual illustration. I still remember it, so it might be a good visual illustration for you to remember. And basically, it's taking one verse, Romans 6.23... And explaining the gospel simple. Here's what it says. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's a, a visual illustration of the way that verse breaks down. If we can show that up there on the screen. On one side you have a little stick figure me. I wish I was that skinny. You got the wage, the sin, and the death. Okay? And that's where we are. And we're separated. And if you notice, the opposite of a wage is a gift. Why? Because what is a wage? Something you earned. And what you earned is separation because of your sin, which leads to death. You and I have earned separation from God because we did what we wanted to do and it's going to lead to our own demise. And God, who is holy, is the opposite of sin and can't be in the presence of sin. And so we were separated from that. And so if we want to get to the other side where we get to receive a gift, something not earned, the presence of God leading to eternal life, we needed a way to get across that bridge, because the bridge was not there. And so Jesus, through what he did on the Good Friday, when he sacrificed himself on the cross, and through his burial and his resurrection, provided a way. Let's look at that next slide for us to get to the other side, so that if you receive Jesus, then you can receive the gift Of God that is eternal life. If you've never done that, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I'm going to throw up there the throw up. I'm going to put up there. They're going to put up the um, sinner's prayer one more time. And if you've never really truly given your life to Jesus, this might be an opportunity to do so. By the way, if there's a little QR code on a chair around you, all of our sermon slides are on there, including this. So you can go back and look at this later if you want to take a capture of that. But here's what the sinner prayer says again. And you can say this right here and right now as long as it means more than just words, but giving your life to Jesus and you can become a follower of Jesus. So just say it silently to God. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness and I believe that you died for my sins. And that you rose from the dead. I ask you to come into my life today and I trust you to be my Lord and my Savior. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus yet again. If you did that today, we would encourage you to do one of two things. Either come and tell one of the staff who will be up here by the baptistry at the end of the service, hey, I gave my life to Jesus and we are going to celebrate with you. It's like a birthday party, right? And then we're going to tell you what the next steps are with that. Or you can go to that QR code and there should be a link there that allows you to connect with our staff saying, I gave my life to Jesus. This is where life change begins. I got even better news for you. That's what allows you to live with Jesus now and through eternity. But salvation, churchy word, we're gonna come back to it in a minute. Salvation doesn't have to be just like waiting for death. Death. Aren't we glad? And I think far too often we have misunderstood through the salvation offering of what we talk about, in other words, the gift of Jesus, as this is just something you receive when you die. Salvation is supposed to begin here and now. And to look at that and to talk through what's next, I want us to walk through the rest of Romans 6, or at least a good chunk of Romans 6, which precedes Romans. The Romans six twenty three verse. So if you have your Bibles, look with me in Romans 6, 1 through 5, as we begin to look, what's next if I receive Christ? He's writing to people who have just received Christ or who are now followers in Jesus. What should we say? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus we baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ, who was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him, that's what it means to be a Christian, you're united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Can I be very candid with you this morning? If you grew up in the church, that may make sense. But if you are just coming back to church or not familiar with church vocabulary, there's a whole lot of church vocabulary in that. And you might be going, Daniel, I don't have a clue. So let me break it down for you very simply. What he's saying then is you were on that left side, living in sin. And then you were afforded the chance to go to new life. And when we are saved, what salvation means is you are saved from your old way of life. You are saved from you into new life. Now, here's a a great illustration. He gives a metaphor here talking about you're buried with Christ in baptism. I don't know that I want to be buried anywhere, right? But what we're doing is when we baptize someone, that's a baptism tank over there, and after someone gives their life to Jesus, We give them an opportunity, and we actually believe the Bible teaches us to follow through with baptism, and baptism is a symbol of the fact that we are dying to our old way of life and being raised to a new way of life. In other words, the old way that Daniel used to live, the old way that, insert your name, used to live, is going under that water, and when you are raised to new life, as it's talking about here in Romans 6, it says you are no longer Similar, you are a new creation. Church, it's good news that God is still in the creating business. And God doesn't want you to be an adaptation of your old self. He wants you to die to your old self to live in a new life. And that new life is where we will find hope. It's where we'll find promise. It's where we'll find peace. It's where we'll find security. It's where our faith begins to blossom and we allow it to bloom in our life so that we have a beautiful spring type of budding existence. Right? But Daniel, why don't I always feel that? Well, because we still have sin. And you can go on and say, I'm I'm united with him. I'm I'm now new. But we still will struggle as best as we try to pursue what it looks like to be united with him in the newness of life, to allow the things that control our life to die. There is still a problem because temptation and struggles and sin is still in this world. But... God, who lovingly created you, God, who is no longer in the tomb, God, who is alive, wants you to walk with him, and his presence saves us from the way that we used to live into a new hope. Somebody excited about that? So God asks us to die to our old selves and allow him to create in us a new life. Let me explain how this might work by telling you just human nature And By human nature i'm going to give you an illustration of when I was a little kid as cute as I was right I was a, a little baby who liked to crawl around as babies do but even at that early age I was problem Right So the old story of my family is I got in trouble twice as much before the age of six in my house as my two brothers did in their entire life I was that kid and back in the day there were light sockets without the protective covers on them. The protective covers were called moms, right? And so as I was crawling around, one day I discovered these light sockets. And my mom's like, oh, electrical outlets. Uh, we call them electrical outlets in Texas. We call them light sockets. Okay, electrical outlets. And as you approach the electrical outlet, and I know I'm in a room full of engineers, and I know some of you are going to tell me, Daniel, it's actually not as dangerous as you think Tell that to a mom with her little baby, okay? And so as I was approaching that electrical outlet to stick my finger going, I wonder what this does, my mom looked at me and she says, no, no, Daniel. To which I probably thought to myself, although I don't remember it, my mom loves telling this story, oh yeah, woman, what do you know, right? By the way, you should never say that to your mom, ever. And so I started to stick my finger out and my mom, wait for it, Lovingly and gently Slap my hand Lovingly and gently Because it was better than getting electrocuted, okay? And it worked I immediately started to cry And you think, God, he learned his lesson He's been out on that bridge, he's going to come back home Oh no, not Daniel Berry at that age So Daniel Berry looked at his mom and thought What does she know? And I immediately started crawling across the room and found another electrical outlet. To which I started to put my finger out to and looked at her like, what you gonna do? (laughs) To which she looked at me and said, Please don't. No, no, Daniel, no, no. And I started to reach out, and so she waited for it lovingly and gently slapped my hand. At this point, my spirit was broken. I wiped away the tears from my eyes and immediately turned back around to go back to the original electrical outlet and repeat the pattern. Why? Because I wanted to do what I wanted to do, not knowing that that could lead to my destruction. And I think that's where we are. We go down... And we say, I'm going to do, and we don't realize that our ways is going to lead to our demise, that living the way that we want to lead will lead to our destruction, and that's the problem. You see, in order to really follow Christ, we have to die to the things that will destroy us so that we can live the life that we're made to live. We have to be willing to say, I'm no longer that person so that I can be raised to new life so that God can do something mighty and amazing in us. So let me ask you this very, very important question if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, what have you given up to allow God to change your walk with Him? What have you given up? What have you died to? If the answer is, I don't know. Then can I suggest that maybe you haven't grown up in your faith as much as you think you have? see... Romans 6, 6-7 says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin. So that your body ruled by sin. That's the gut instinct. That's the I want, therefore I'm going to take. It's the 14th cupcake. You know what I'm saying? Might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin, have you ever found the person who keeps going back to the self-destructive patterns over and over and over and over again and you want to look at them and you go, what are you doing? And you're sitting there going, I don't know. My body just says go this way, so I go this way. This is what it talks about to die to our old way, to allow ourselves to be resurrected to a new life. In other words, to walk in the freedom that God has by trusting that God's purpose and His way it's not only what's next, it's what's best. So we have to die to ourselves. So living for God will lead us to freedom. But the freedom isn't getting to do what you want, it's walking in the relationship with God. It's freedom in walking in the relationship with God. So, what's controlling your life? What about money, and greed, addiction? Worry, anxiety, lust, or maybe some good things have become idols like living for a vacation. Hear me, take a vacation. Please take a vacation. But if all you do on your free time is Google your next vacation, that's a problem. What about food? I joked about the 14th cupcake. That could easily be me. That's not a joke. That really could be me. Kids? How could kids be a problem when all you're trying to do is make sure your kids survive and thrive and all you can think about is their happiness? I got news for you. They have a will and a choice and you can't live a good enough life as a mom or a dad to make your kids do, yes, parent, amen? Dads, parent. It's not babysitting. It's parenting, okay? As you parent your kids, know this one truth, though. Don't make them the important, most important thing in their life, or you're actually hurting them, because you're teaching them they're the most important thing in life. What about maintaining the relationships and friendships and trying to find the balance of everybody likes me, so everybody gets along, so that no one's worried, and so you spend your life worried about your status, what do they might be saying behind your back, what are they saying in front of your face, what do they write the other person text, and you read every text as if it's an encryption code of hidden meaning. Anybody? What do we need to die to? In other words, what is controlling your life? This is what you're enslaved to. And this is why God wants you to live for him, because this is where we'll find the freedom that God wants us to give. Romans 6, 12-14 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness your instincts your impulses your deepest desires that are apart from god but are actually selfish that are about you being in control will lead you off the path to an unright or out of right relationship with god himself but as for you those who are alive from the dead offer yourselves to god commit to this relationship Commit to the beauty of it, to to sacrificing like you would for your family, like you would for your parents. Commit to sacrificing it and allow the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness or walking with God or the beauty of what it looks like to find freedom. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law but are under grace. Guys, you've got to get a little more excited. This is good. We're no spoiler, though, one little thing. None of us will live a perfect life. You will struggle, but when we fail, we're going to pick ourselves up and pursue it. You know what? I've been married for a long time now, 20-something years. 23, I know, okay? And so, so we're like, he does it. No, I know. 23 years, okay? And in those times that I've, I've really wanted to always try to please my wife. I'm a man. I'm not going to always do that. And all the sisters testified, amen. <laughs> but sisters, the husbands can say it too. We aren't always going to live, but there's something deep in my core that wants to live for the, the benefit of her. I want to live for the benefit of God because that's where I find peace and joy. And the way that I do it is trusting that his way is better than my way and I die to the inclinations I have for my own self and trust that his way is what should look our life should look like. Or, as we learn to follow Jesus, we should be learning how to find freedom in him. Freedom in him. I wrote out a statement I want to read to you this morning. I don't normally do this, but I just want to read it to you. The gospel should change how we function at Caterpillar or SIA. It should change how we view our day at Westside High, Burnett Creek, or Purdue University. It should affect our attitudes as a farmer, guide our principles as a banker, and encourage a stay-home mom. As we draw closer to God, we are drawn away from our burdens and temptations into a freedom resulting in peace with Him. Our salvation, therefore, is not something we do. It is our everything. It begins the moment we learn to die to our way and trust in God's way. It is God himself living within us. It is freedom. It is peace. It is purpose. And as a result, we must realize that our salvation is not something we just receive. It defines the very person we are and who we are becoming. Salvation can never be encapsulated in just a Sunday morning. It has to become the heart of who you are. So, if you've never given your life to Jesus, let me just say you want to find the hope and the joy and the peace and the promise of Jesus? You can't do it casually. But you can receive it very simply by receiving the gift of what Jesus did on the cross. He died for you, He was buried in a tomb. The stone was rolled away and ain't nobody found no body. He is alive and a living and therefore you can live in relationship with him and know him and become what we call a child of Christ. But as a child of Christ, you need to know that you're going to need some people who are further along to give you the basic necessities because children can't feed themselves. Amen? Because children need to be fed and changed Because all they do is eat and make a mess of their lives. If you know what I'm saying. So you need people to help you navigate what it looks like to walk with him. Please come talk to us. And help us, let us help you grow in that as you walk with him. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you just to look at this slide one more time of the the chasm. I think we want to say we're living in the new life. But what are you dying to? Are you returning back to the old way time and time and time again and living in the the slavery of our sins which is caused by the wage that we brought upon ourselves which is death Some of us need to die to worry We need to die to lust We need to die to the strangleholds of our life that are destroying not only ourselves but our relationships Your sin will destroy and damage the relationships you have on this earth. It will destroy and damage the heart of who you are. It will destroy your peace, your comfort, your purpose, if you allow it but Jesus. When we accept the gift of Jesus and we walk in that grace, it allows us to release ourselves from the bondage, the slavery, the chains of who we used to be to walk in a new hope with Him. So if you're already a follower of Jesus, here's what I would say. What do you need to die to today? And here's our daily training for how to practice that. If you want to know God, say no when tempted. If you want to know God, say no when tempted. Because the saying around here I've said many times that you need to be reminded of that we need to talk through is Psychology says when you're tempted, you have three to five seconds to determine whether or not you're going to allow that temptation to take control of your life. If not, it gets rooted. And as we can find around here, when a weed is rooted in the spring, it's harder to pull out. You better get it before it gets rooted. Three to five seconds. Three to five seconds. And it says, say no to that temptation. So let me give you a little inside information to Daniel Berry's private life. Daniel Berry likes to speak in third person sometimes. He doesn't know why. But as we're doing that, there's times and moments in my life when no one's around and I'm tempted and I will audibly say no. No not going to go that way because there's something about saying it out loud that means the wrestling's over right because if you go beyond that five seconds you're going to talk yourself into it oh it's not that bad oh god will still forgive me oh he'll forgive me she'll forgive me this is what i want now i'll pay for it later so what you have three to five seconds and it's for your own benefit. So if we could just begin to practice ourselves in saying, I'm going to say no because I want to know God. It'll change the direction and that's what's next. I hope you'll come back next week because this life one day will cease and we're going to talk about heaven next week. woo But in the meantime, I want you to know God deeper and experience what it looks like to walk with Him in the here. Now, come talk to one this afternoon of us after the end of service. Fill out the form on the QR code. Tell the person you came with, the aunt who dragged you to church, hey, tell me more about Jesus. And find the freedom that is that. God, I thank you for what you've done for us. May we respond in worship. May we respond in praise. May we give you our hearts, our minds. God, I know that there are some in here who are still questioning? Would you give them assurance? God, help us to live boldly for you, to walk with you, to be guarded by you and guided by you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Would you continue to bless us as we worship you, which is a response to you for how good you are, because you are our peace.